Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. So this morning, this is an all-age gathering. We've got all of us in the room all the way through this morning, and it's going to be great. And uh, today is an all-age service. It's still part of our Faith, Hope and Love series. And um, today's story um, involves someone coming up with a new law. Okay, now, I know that some of you, as you came in this morning, wrote down on a piece of paper that we had provided for you an idea for a new law, something you'd like to see become the law of the land. So I wonder, who's got one of those bits of paper with them? Okay, who's happy for me to unwrap your scroll and read out the law? Okay, okay, here we go. This better be a good law. This better be a good law. Okay, what is the new law? Oh, real cool. Wow. Okay. This is a manifesto. (laughs) You can turn it around. (laughs) It says, respect others. Love no matter what. Respect others again. That's twice you've put that in. That's good. Hang on. Have at least one chocolate or sweet every day. (laughs) Okay. What else have we got? Naomi, I hope you don't let us all down. One hour of school a day. Oh, that's not the end of it. One day of school a week. Oh, wow. That's Naomi's law. Okay. Okay. What have we got here? Kids do what they want and no more school. Oh, boy. It's your law. Oh, we've got a mum's law. Okay, look out. Oh, this is a good law. I like this one. Children should make their parents cups of tea on demand. Oh, okay. Okay, who else has got a law for me? Naya, come on, let's have your law. Okay, here's Naya's law. Okay, love everyone for who they are. Appearances don't matter. Jesus loves them and so should we. What a great law. What a great law. Okay, oh, hang on. We've got another mum's law. (laughs) Everybody looks after everybody else. That's great. We're coming to lunch, Jen. Thank you. (laughs) Okay, Sam's law. She's rolled very tightly. Oh, Sam would like a three-day weekend. Yes. Okay. Thank you, Sam. Okay. Oh, okay. Abby's law. No, Maddie's. Maddie's law. Okay. Oh, Maddie. What have we done? Uh, we have to be kind and happy for each other. Okay. I'll be happy with that law. It's great. Tilly has got a law. Does it involve coffee, Tilly? <laughs> Who, who thinks Tilly's law involves coffee? Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Tilly's law. <laughs> More coffee. <laughs> okay. Goes well with the coffee. Was it biscuits? Uh, okay. okay. Whose law is this, Pete? Zach. This is Zach's law. Okay. More TV, more chocolate. Whoa! Okay, 
they're, they're a good set of laws. I'm not sure many of them are going to become official, okay? But some good set of laws. And actually, th those laws are all laws which are kind of self-serving, a lot of them, aren't they? Like the more chocolate, you know? It's good for me. I like that. Yeah. And, uh, so some new laws. But today's story includes a new law, and you'll spot it when it comes along. But first of all today, we want to set the scene. A long time ago, in a city far, far away, it is 605 BC, and Nebuchadnezzar, ruler of the Babylonian Empire, had attacked and besieged Jerusalem. He has taken sacred objects from God's temple back to his own land, to the city of Babylon. He has also captured the strongest, brightest and best young men to be found in Jerusalem and taken them to Babylon to be trained to serve the king. These young men are forced to give up their identity. They are given new Babylonian names and expected to adopt Babylonian customs. But God is with these young men and has given them wisdom and special abilities to understand their new surroundings. One of these young men is Daniel and Daniel is a worshipper of God. Okay, so there's our introduction this morning. And so this morning we are meeting Daniel. And when Daniel was first taken captive in Jerusalem and taken to Babylon, he would have been quite a young man, one of the brightest and the best and the most handsome young men to be found in his town. But he would have been a, he would have been a young man. He would have been you know, probably not quite 20. And he was taken into exile to the land of Babylon. The land of Babylon, the city of Babylon, was about 1,600 miles away. I've got a little map to show you on here. So uh, we've got uh, Jerusalem near the sea in uh, what is now the land of Israel. And we've got Babylon about 1,600 miles away in what is today known as Iraq. And that's where the city of Babylon was at the time. And of course, you couldn't just fly there in those times, 605 BC. And so you had to take a rather arduous route, avoiding the deserts and avoiding the mountains in order to get from Jerusalem to Babylon. And when Daniel arrived in Babylon, he was given a new name. So not only was he taken from his home, and actually none of us would like to be taken captive and taken away from our home, would we? But not only was he taken from his home, he was told that his name had been changed and that he would no longer be called Daniel, but his name would be Belshazzar. How would you like it? How would you like it if someone took you from your home and said, from now on, we're going to call you Belshazzar? You would think, wow, I can't cope with this. This is all very difficult. But our story today actually starts when Daniel is a much older man. We think Daniel could be you know, maybe about 60 by the time the events that we're reading about today actually happen. And Daniel had actually worked hard in his training for the king. He'd worked really hard in the palace and, and served the king really well. And he was popular and he was respected and very well regarded. And um, he was given lots of responsibility working for the king of the Babylonian Empire. 
Well, the story I'm going to tell today, it's found in our Bibles. It's found in Daniel chapter 6. And for adults who want to look it up either now or later, that's where you find this story. And it's the account of, of Daniel. And he's now, by this stage, working for a new king. There is a new king in town. This king's name is, uh, is Darius, King Darius. And King Darius is actually the third king that Daniel had worked for and served as head of the Babylonian Empire. He worked for King Nebuchadnezzar, but Nebuchadnezzar had died. He worked for a king called Belteshazzar, but Belteshazzar had died. And now he worked for King Darius. Daniel had continued to be a faithful worshipper of God all the years that he'd lived in Babylon. He would regularly pray to God. So he'd go into an upstairs room in his house and he'd look out towards Jerusalem, where he came from, and he would pray to God. And You know, Daniel, all these years of his life, he knew where home was. He knew that home for him wasn't Babylon. He knew where he had come from and he would go up to his window and face Jerusalem, the place he'd come from. And he'd pray to his God. And he did that faithfully. And despite his name being changed, and despite him being forcibly taken from his home, he still knew who he was. And he still trusted God. And he knew that God was with him, even in this strange place. And you know, Daniel, he didn't hesitate to speak to people around him about his God either. The kings knew that Daniel worshipped God. And Daniel wasn't afraid to let them know that. In fact, God had given Daniel some very special abilities to be able to to interpret dreams and visions to the kings. And Daniel was trusted by God to deliver a special message to the kings of the Babylonian Empire concerning the way they were living and concerning the way they were building their empires. And he said to them, God says, your empires are not going to last. Your your empires are going to crumble one day. And actually, there's going to be not an empire, but a kingdom. And it's the kingdom of God, and it's going to come and rule and reign on the earth. And God told Daniel all of that in order that he could tell the kings what was going to happen in the future. But both those previous kings had died. And now, King Darius, he was in charge. And when King Darius became in charge, he decided he would do things a different way. He took the whole of the Babylonian Empire and he thought, I'm going to divide it up into lots of sections. And I'm going to ask 120 different leaders to lead each section of the land. And so he did that. And then he said to Daniel, I want you to be one of the people in charge of the people who are in charge of all of those sections. So Daniel was given a really important job. He was not just in charge of the sections. He was in charge of the people who were in charge of the sections. And so uh, Daniel was a very prominent man. And then the king saw what a great job Daniel was doing. And so he decided to promote him again. And he made him in charge of the people who were in charge, who were in charge of the people in charge of the sections. And it was a very high job. And he was almost the most powerful person in the land apart from the king. And you know, this created jealousy from the other administrators in the land. And they tried to find fault in Daniel's work. They tried to look at what he was doing and find something, find some way that he'd messed up in order to make trouble for him. It's not nice, is it, when people make trouble for us? But someone wanted to make trouble for Daniel. 
but they couldn't find any fault in his work at all. And so these men decided, well, the only way for us, the only way possible to, 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 to bring criticism of Daniel is because he's a worshipper of God. Let's see if we can hatch a plan so that we can criticise Daniel for being a worshipper of God. So they hatched a plan. And it was a cunning plan. And it was a cunning plan because it appealed to the king's pride. It made him feel good about himself. It made him feel a little bit puffed up. And so they approached the king. And they came into the king's room and they said, Long live the king! We are all in agreement, they said, as officials and as high officers and the advisors and all the governors, we're all agreed that the king should make a new law. And this law should be really strictly enforced. Now, that was a lie because they hadn't all agreed. Daniel didn't know anything about this new law. But they came and said, we're all agreed, O king. And they were saying, King Darius, this is what we, what we should do. For the next 30 days... Anyone who prays to anyone else, whether they're human or a god, anyone at all, apart from you, O king, because you're so magnificent and wonderful, they will be thrown into a den of lions. Wow. Now, just to say here, if we ever fall out with people, we must never throw them into a den of lions, okay? But that was the punishment that was going to be in place for anyone who didn't obey this new law. The new law said there's no more praying to anyone who isn't the king. And the king listened to this request and he thought, well, I suppose I am rather magnificent, aren't I? And if anyone should pray to anyone at all, it should be to me, the king, because, <laughs> hey, look at me. And he was puffed up and he thought, what a great idea this is. We should definitely do that. And so he signed the new law. And, uh, and it was put into place. When Daniel found out what had happened, he found out about this new law. He did what he'd always ever done. He went back to his house and he climbed the steps up to his room. And he went to the window that faced the city of Jerusalem, his home where he knew he'd come from. And he got down on his knees and he prayed to his God. Only this time, as he did that, he was being watched. Men were watching him, trying to catch him out. Why do you think Daniel continued to pray to God in those circumstances? Well, you know, I think it's because Daniel trusted God. Yeah, Daniel trusted God. Daniel had been given hope by God. Daniel knew that God had a better plan. There was good news about a better future for Daniel. And actually, one of the things that had happened is Daniel found some words that were written by the prophet Jeremiah, words that we have spoken often in our gatherings here. But they were spoken specifically to these people who had been captive in the city of Babylon at this time. And this is what it says. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years for Babylon are complete... I will attend to you and will confirm my promise concerning you to restore you to this place. That's Jerusalem. 
For I know are the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your welfare, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. You will call to me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. And Daniel had seen those words that God had spoken. And he realised that the people had been captive in Babylon for a long time. And 70 years was approaching. And he read God's word about future hope. And he prayed to God. Yeah. God had set hope deep in Daniel's heart. For those of us who were with us... Um, a few weeks ago, when Roger and Diane Aubrey were with us for Momentum Weekend, we'll have seen Roger say this about hope. Lots of long words in here, right? But this is what Roger said. He said, it's the certain, confident, unwavering expectation of good. Lots of long words in there. But certain, something we can really sure of, something we can rely on. Confident. That means that, yes, I'm right in. I'm embracing everything that God is saying. Unwavering expectation. I know this is going to happen, and I'm not going to be bowed by circumstances. And it's an expectation of good. That is why Daniel kept praying to his God. And the plotters and the schemers, they watched what was happening. And they went back to the king. And they said, O king... Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days there's going to be no more praying, apart from to you, O king, because you're so wonderful and magnificent? And the, uh, those who do pray will be thrown into a den of lions. Do you remember that, O king? And the king said, I do remember that. Everyone's going to pray to me, because I'm rather splendid, aren't I? And um, it is my law. That's my official law. In fact, we sealed it and it can't be changed. Aha, the plotters and the schemers said. We have seen Daniel. And we have seen him in his room and he's praying to his God in heaven. And therefore, he should be arrested and he should be thrown into the den of lions. And you know, the king was really upset by this because he quite liked Daniel. Daniel was doing a great job for the king. And he tried to look for, for ways to get out of having to throw Daniel into the lion's den. But he couldn't do it. And reluctantly, he gave the order for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into a den of lions. And the king said to Daniel, Daniel, maybe your God, who you pray to, can rescue you now. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. We know what happens. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. And very first thing the next morning, the king ran down to where the lion's den was. And he said, Daniel? Daniel? Thank you. And there was an answer from the lion's den. And the voice said, Long live the king! It is me, Daniel. I'm here and I'm alive and all night long an angel of the Lord has been with me and he's closed the lion's mouth to stop them from hurting me. So the king, he ordered that Daniel was set free again 
and he's returned to his job and given all the responsibility. And when they examined Daniel, not a single scratch on his body was to be found. The lions had really not hurt him at all. Because Daniel had trusted in God. So what did the king do? The king issued a new proclamation, a new decree. And I need someone to come and read this new decree to me in a loud, loud voice. Joey, you spring to mind here. I wonder whether you could, uh, whether you come and, could come and read in a loud voice the king's proclamation, like you're a messenger. You know, put a bit of welly into it. Yeah. Okay. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Signed, King Darius. Brilliant. That was the king's declaration. The king came to trust God even more because of Daniel's great example of hope and trust in the living God over all the earth. What a great thing. And you know, that's a great story, isn't it? It's a story we might have heard since we, we ourselves, all of us, were very small. The story of Daniel and the lion's den. And it's, a, it's an important story that we can know and learn some things from. There are a couple of things I think we can learn together this morning. Here's the first one. It's good that we know where home is. Do you remember how Daniel every day looked out of his window towards Jerusalem? That's home. And I'm praying to my God. Daniel knew where his home is. You know, sometimes things happen to us in our lives that kind of knock us off the course we thought we were going to be on. But all the time, it's good to know who our God is and where our home is. And actually, one of the things the Bible says to us is, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, actually, where we live now isn't really our home. Because God is going to renew everything the heavens and the earth, and create a new home for his people to live in. That's our home. It's good that we know where our home is, isn't it? It's important that we know that God sees us wherever we are. In those moments when our lives get knocked off course, God still sees us. In the moments that we do things and we think, I've let God down by doing this, God still sees us and he wants to draw near to us. He wants to call us back to him. We should know who our God is. Now, on the home thing, I was out running the other morning and I was running a circular loop around a lake. And, you know, once you get halfway around, you can't turn back. Well, you can turn back, but it's stupid because it's as far back as it is all the way around again. And as you run, you get more and more tired and your knees start to ache a little bit and get a bit more out of breath. But once you start heading back to home, once home is in sight, you've got something to focus on. Ah, I might be running hard. This might be a bit painful. I might be a bit out of breath. 
This might not be my greatest look, but I know where home is. Yeah, in my case, I know where breakfast is. Yeah. And it really gives encouragement, doesn't it? It really gives hope. Yeah. I had a hope on that morning for breakfast. But the hope God sets in our hearts, our hearts about our real home is so much greater than the hope of breakfast. It's the hope of being present with him forever. What a great thing. And here's the last thing for us to know together this morning, that God promises good for his people. God is a good God. God doesn't have any bad plans for us at all. God only has good plans for us. Plans that are going to see us prosper and grow and come to know him better and better and to be present with him. We can be people full of hope, the certain, the confident, the unwavering expectation of God. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.